The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Well, like I said, I got a phone call yesterday, right before my folks came in. It's like, I need you to preach tomorrow. So we are doing an audible, pinch hit, whatever metaphor you want to use. Um, and keep Gabe in your prayers as he gets over this, because this is not fun to have the flu. I am a bad person when I'm sick. I just not a good patient, and I, God bless him. He's, he's running through it right now. Uh, we are in a series called The Good Life, where we go through Ecclesiastes, and Ecclesiastes uh, is a part of, of a section of Scripture called the Wisdom Books. We've got Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, some people will throw some other things in there, but, but those are kind of the two uh, big ones. And they help give us perspective on our life. I think Ecclesiastes is so great because it gives us perspective on, on a big scale level. Proverbs kind of says, okay, this is how you do things daily. But Ecclesiastes can say, on the big level, these are patterns that keep happening uh, in our world. There's, there's a dichotomy that we have talked about um, so far in this series, and it says there are things that are under the sun, and there are things above the sun. And, and the teacher says the things that are under the sun are meaningless. They're without the things above the sun. God, these things just keep going and going and going again. But the other half is when, when things above the sun, when God speaks in to those things, they have meaning. So if you've heard the phrase, eat, drink, and enjoy the work that God has given you, that is God speaking into the work and the life that you have under the sun. By him saying, I want you to work and, and do things that serve your neighbor and serve the world, he speaks meaning into our lives. And he speaks meaning into what without him could seem mundane or trivial or just monotonous. So that's where we're at in this book of Ecclesiastes. Yesterday I kind of realized, okay, well, what, are, what, what is one of those parts of being in the good life, what we've named this series? And I think for, for me, and I think with a lot of us, uh, decision-making plays a big part in the good life. How do we make decisions? How, do we inform, or how are we informed by decisions? So today we're going to talk about a couple things. How do we make decisions? One, then we're going to go out in left field and talk about agriculture, and then we're going to bring it back, and we're going to talk about why we do the things that we do, both as a church and then as individuals. So, decisions and the decision-making that happens in our life. In the good life, when God says, eat, drink, and enjoy the work that I've prepared for you to do, he gives us some freedom there. He gives us freedom to kind of navigate our life and figure out what might be best for us. There was a movie that came out uh, a few years ago, and it was talking about butterflies. It's called The Butterfly Effect. And I think there is something that some of us maybe have adopted that we think is true, that if, if I make this one decision... Right now, it will affect everything. And if I don't make the right decision, then I've screwed it up for everyone. Or if I, if I make this decision, then, then everything will go great or everything will go wrong. And God can't use 
my decision, whether it's a good decision or a bad decision. And I want to encourage you that there might be some consequences for the things that we do, but, but I don't know if there is a cosmic, earth-shattering thing if you don't make the decision that God thinks you're supposed to make right at that time. He's more creative than that. He has more grace than that. He gives us the freedom to, to make decisions for ourselves. So today we're talking about two different types of decisions. On this side, we're going to talk about right and wrong decisions. On this side, we're going to talk about right and left decisions. Christians um, and people who kind of self-nominate or have a, or a certain kind of code that they live by or structure that they live by kind of have a certain set of things that are say, okay, this, when I get to that fork in the road or that decision in the road, sometimes there are right decisions and sometimes there are wrong decisions. And God has given us things and, and people and communities and small groups and youth groups and, and people that sometimes get up here and talk to say, hey, life will be better for you when you come to this road and you follow the thing that God wants you to do versus the thing that God doesn't want you to do. So the Ten Commandments, kind of God giving us, hey, this is how you guys are going to nav- navigate now. So he says, uh, I don't want you to speak false testimony about your neighbor. So you could take that, and when you come to a decision when your neighbor's doing something really terrible, or they haven't cut their grass, or that person at school is just awful, and they won't stop smacking their gum, or they're cheating off of you or something, uh, you could go on Twitter and tweet about how horrible they are at neighbor in my neighborhood. Why are you an awful person? You could do that and slander them very quickly without any consequences. Or when you get to that point in the road, you could say, why are they doing this? How can I help them? How can I speak well of them? How could I encourage them in their craziness? God does this with all sorts of things. I have a friend who just got done with tax season, and I saw him this week, and he said, there, there are people that are at this decision when they're writing down their taxes, and they can do their taxes correctly, or they can cheat on their taxes. And sometimes it's obvious, and that's just... He's like, he's a tax guy, and he's like, it's just dumb. It's just dumb to try to get away with that. We come to a fork, and there's right decisions and wrong decisions. For a lot of us, those are kind of clear-cut. The other side, a lot of our life, the fun kind of creative part of life, is when you come to a decision, and it's not a right or a wrong decision, but it's a right or a left decision decision. If you are a junior in high school, you are about to come up to a lot of right and left decisions. I'm about to graduate. Do I go become a longhorn? Do do I go become an Aggie? Do I go become a barista? Do I go take a gap year and figure out what's going on in Germany or something? I don't know, something like that. In the first service, much like we just had a smaller version of here, some people think that that is a right and a wrong decision. (laughs) The wrong decision, which was just expressed here, as it was in the first service, 
the wrong decision is to become a Longhorn. And some people would say the right decision is to become an Aggie. And there are some people in the world that find on that map that you should become a bear. And so that we have all these, yeah, there it is. God gives us the opportunity. He gives us the creativity to walk into either one of those decisions with confidence. With confidence. Currently, I, got, I am at one of these right or left decisions. I got an email the other week that said, hey, your rent's going up 200 bucks a month. And I'm like, oh, thanks. Thanks for moving to Austin, everyone. <laughs> it's almost been a year, I think I can say that now. And so it's, well, do we sign another lease with the apartment? Or do we go and look for other housing? Am I going to mess everything up if I stay in an apartment? No. Am I going to mess everything up in God's big grand scheme of things if I go buy a house? No, I'm not. It's a right or a left decision. And you're like, but wait, how do I navigate that? Thank you for explaining this. I experience this every day. How do I navigate that? Well, I have a pastor uh, person that has spoken into my life for over a decade, for about 12 years, and he has a certain phrase that he says. If you listen, if you go to the same church, if you go to this church, or if you hear pastors talk, sometimes there's just things that just keep bubbling up. Mine is you're loved by God and you're sent by God, so more people can be loved by God and sent by God. I said it in the first service, I'll say it here again. Pastor Gabe's is, here's a quote from David Foster Wallace. He also has some other great ones, but I just love giving him junk about that. And he's not here, so whatever. <laughs> this pastor's phrase is, whenever you come to a decision, excel at the revealed things. Excel at the revealed things. So if you're over here and it's a right or wrong decision, what are the revealed things? What is the revealed will of God for you in that time? Does he want you to be awful to your neighbor? Probably not. Does he say, strengthen your neighbor before your neighbor? Yeah, probably should. That's a revealed thing. We should go towards that. Do I stay in an apartment? Do I buy a house? It's not revealed there, but what, there are certain things that God has said overall. He says, I want you to be about making disciples. Okay, I can do that in an apartment or a house. I want you to love your family, love your wife. Well, I can do that in either one. So, at that moment, I can excel in the revealed things, knowing that God is in the apartment complex and God is in a house somewhere. Excel at the revealed things. If you're wondering... Okay, Barrett, what are the revealed things? Do I need to go lock myself up in a room and pull all these Jesus levers and play, pray all these chants? No, you don't need to do that. There are certain things that God just has revealed to us. And we have the gift of a community and his scripture to help us navigate those parts of life. So we're going through Ecclesiastes right now. Maybe there is something in Ecclesiastes that enters into your your ethos, your yourself, and you have adopted that, and you can say, oh, I can navigate life a little better because God has given me some knowledge or some wisdom. I think that everyone should read Proverbs. 
there's a proverb a day, and there's, a pro, there's 31 proverbs, and there's 30 or 31 or 28 or 29 days in a month. You can kind of follow along. It's May 8th. This morning I read the 8th proverb, Proverbs 8. You can insert some of God's wisdom into your life by using the gifts that he has given you. As, as us as a collective of, of Christians, Jesus followers, disciples, maybe it'd be helpful for us if we're wondering, what does it look like to navigate life in a society that is less and less um, easy for us to be Christian in? Well, you know, there were 12 disciples that walked around with Jesus in a time that it wasn't very beneficial for them uh, to be Christians. So maybe it'd be helpful for us to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Maybe it'd be helpful for us to read the book of Acts to see how did they navigate life? How can I navigate life? It's a gift that God has given us to put his word and to have his community speak into our lives. And it helps us navigate. So, that's part of decision-making. This is my 12-hour really rough transition sermon time. So, we're going to talk about agriculture now. And then we'll bring it back. And there might be a beautiful bow at the end. There might not. But who knows? We'll get there. Gabe and Adam are one of our other planters. And, uh, Pastor Pete, who is down at Axe Church Lakeway, and myself, were all at a conference about 10 days ago in Orlando. And if anyone has ever done the whole conference thing, um, there are certain things, at least in my head, that make me perk up a little bit and, and listen a little bit more intently. And you can call it what it is. Maybe it's just, I don't know, hearing something a little bit exotic. But there are two different dialects or accents that make me perk up. One, British accent. Whenever someone has a British accent and they are in front of a big stage, they might be the dumbest, they might be dumber than rocks, but when they are speaking to me, their intelligence level somehow just goes up about 10 points. I don't know. On the other side, when an Australian person is speaking to me at a conference, it's not, I'm not saying they're not intelligent, but when an Australian person comes, I just think of Animal Planet and Crocodile Dundee. And so when an Australian uh, church leader is talking, I immediately go to, this person must be doing it. Their, their ministry and their life must be just like 10 points more wild and out there than, than my life or my ministry is. So I better you know, write some notes because they're, just, they're on the edge. They're on the edge, fighting crocodiles and saving people for Jesus. So there was an Australian, there were two Australian guys back to back. So I'm furiously taking notes. And the Australian guy was started making observations about the United States, about suburban United States. And I'm like, hmm, interesting. He said, you guys have something here that the rest of the world doesn't have. Like, you guys have something pristine and beautiful that you spend a lot of time and a lot of money on, that a lot of your Saturdays and a good number of your Sundays are spent making beautiful. It's like, do you guys know what that is? And we're like, I don't know. It's like, your lawn. You people in America have beautiful lawns. I'm like, where is he going with this? And so he kept talking. And, and while he was talking, I thought back to the job that I had while I was in seminary before I came down here about a year ago. I lived, Krista, my wife, and I lived in an apartment in a carriage house. 
It had big carriage doors that were bolted in because we don't have horses anymore. And it was behind a house that was 6,200 square feet, built in 1902 at the turn of the century, right before the World's Fair in St. Louis, Missouri. Two people lived there. Beautiful home. And they had me manicure their lawn, keep their pool clean, and do all their snow removal. And this Australian guy was talking about uh, lawns and everything, and I'm like, I know what that looks like. I have been hired to do that for somebody else. And at this house in St. Louis, with this beautiful lawn and all of that, uh, the, the landlord was a member of the St. Louis Botanical Gardens. They were like one of those charter members where you get your name on the plaque. And I did not like doing yard work. And so this was, there was something happening here that was probably not the best. But she would tell me, Barrett, here is the line. This is beautiful manicured grass, and this is like wildlife rehabilitation gardening. And so everything would bloom, and it would be great. And she'd be like, Barrett, now this one is a flower, and this one is a weed. And of course, they look exactly the same. <laughs> and I would try to navigate this lawn, keep everything on this side wild-looking, but without weeds, and this side pristine. Something happened the first year I was there. In the summer, there was a little purple flower that came up in the front lawn. It is called a violet. I did not get the first violet, or the second violet, or the 1500th violet. Violets in this part of St. Louis will spread and spread and spread. I tried to weed and feed the lawn, and I burned a good portion of it. I tried to pull up all the little violets that I could, and there was a patch about this big where there was just dirt in this very nice house. And I learned something about agriculture, and it was very similar to what this Australian guy was saying. He said, one of the revealed things that God has given us to do is be a part of the mission of what God is doing on the earth. He said, you guys have beautiful lawns, and a lot of times that's what your lives look like. They're very, very beautiful. But God has planted a weed, and we're calling it the church, in very specific places of this country. He said, and what does a weed do? It's hard to just pick one up because they've already spread by the time you get to see them. It's hard to get rid of it with weed and feed because... It, they, it doesn't kill it, or in my experience, it doesn't kill it. He's like, I want you people to be weeds, pioneer plants in your communities. And so that is one thing that we can do collectively that isn't a, a revealed thing that God has given for us to do. John 6, I'm going to read it again. Jesus tells us, hey, this was God's, this was the Father's will for me to be here. And then this, in turn, is part of your job. He tells us that the Great Commission, be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And Leander, Texas, right now, from where they are, is the ends of the earth. He says this, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me should not thirst. 
But I said, you that have seen me and yet do not believe, all the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. We could just land there. Jesus has an open invitation for me and for you and for the other pioneer plants or weeds or whatever we want to call them in this world. He says he's the bread of life and he is a cold drink for the thirsty people of the world. And he won't cast us out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the one will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that has been given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on me, on the Son, and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. The Father gave Jesus a mission, and that was for people to look on him, to believe, and to have life. When Jesus went away, he said, I'm going to send you guys a comforter, an advocate, someone to work on your behalf, and that person is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit works through us, to us and through us in the world to help us navigate the good life, to help us come together and see what does it look like for us to be church right here in Lander, Texas, or in Northwest Austin, or in Lakeway, or wherever we find ourselves. And so we're sent to on mission. And this is why we do what we do. As, as a church collectively, this is why we do what we do with the Axe Church Lander and with, with the Axe Church Network. So why do we meet on Sunday mornings? Well, maybe part of it is to implant or remind us how to navigate life. This is what it looks like to navigate life as a Christian. Maybe part of it is to remind us, because we, we often forget that he's not going to cast us out. Maybe part of it is to remind us that he is the bread of life. And in this meal is forgiveness, is reassurance, is life in him. That's probably why we meet on Sunday mornings. Why do we tell our kids? This is why we tell our kids that they're deeply loved by Jesus. And he calls them, you're a child of God. Maybe we're telling your kids that so you can hear it as well. That whether you're three or 83, that you're a child of God and he won't cast you out and he loves you. This is why we start things like acts of love so that moms and their kids can know about Jesus. Jesus said, I'm not going to cast people out. And Katie and the people, the board and the people that work at Acts of Love said, we're going to create a place for moms to come and finish high school. We're going to take care of their kids. We're going to tell them about Jesus. And we're also going to, to bless the kids that are with us. That's how we do it as a church. And I think we do all of these things as a church because we know that in our city, this morning, about 17% of people will be in a church hearing the gospel for them. And I don't care who you are or what metric you use, I think that's unacceptable. On a personal level, we do uh, church and we meet together. Uh, we want you to know that you're sent wherever you go. Because someone may look on the sun and believe in him. Because God has placed each and every one of you as little 
things of violets or dandelions or little pioneer plants of the kingdom, little missionaries that are sent out wherever he has you, whether that's in school, whether that's changing a diaper of a baby, whether that's driving downtown and working. He's got you there because he sent you there. And so, we go in with confidence making decisions, the right or the left. The right and the wrong, we kind of have an idea on that. There's people around you that could help you with that if you really need it. But we go excelling in the revealed things that he's said for us. And one of those things is that I want you to be people, pioneer plants in the world that help point to the sun. So let's pray. And then we'll keep going. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you give us the gift of your word. And in Proverbs 16, you say, Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. So we ask you to bend our will, our personal will, to your will. Bend and commit our work to yours so that your plans are established here on earth. We ask you to use us to give us confidence when we're afraid and to give us boldness so that we can show people your son, that they might believe in him and start having eternal life right now. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.